0: You need indeed.
1: We're reacting to week 13 of NFL action on Roto-Viz Radio.
0: What's up, Roto-Viz?
1: Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at RotoViz, ready to break down some Week 13 action. We just pulled a very fun stat that uh, I'm looking forward to sharing with everybody. Monday Night Football is going on, playoffs are here for many people. Curtis, how you doing?
2: doing great man um yeah speaking of playoffs this is just such a, a critical time um so many as, as we're recording this but it's you know before people are listening tomorrow and all of this will be, have been settled so many fantasy <laughs> playoff uh berths are gonna be decided tonight in this in this Buffalo New England game I know um, you and I have a, a matchup we're walk, watching closely on our uh, team Rotoviz main event. Uh, One of these teams, we just need Buffalo's defense to basically not score a touchdown, and we're going to advance the team through to the to the final. Uh, You and I fell just less than three points short in our uh, in our football guys (laughs) championship team. We scored 177 points, Dave, and we lost in the semifinal. This is brutal. It was brutal. Um, Yeah, that's that's a tough spot. But then you know we've got all these fun best ball tournaments that you know RotoViz partnering with. uh, some key sites like the FFPC. And I've got a couple really high performing best ball tournament teams, Dave, and I'm excited about as recently as like week 12. I had a team that was like not that it matters because of the format, but was like top 10 in overall scoring year to date. Yep. Um, so we so we've got some live ones, and you and I were just talking about our underdog portfolios too. And it looks like we're both gonna have uh, yes. some live bullets there. So it's a fun time of the season. It's also a bittersweet time for those rosters that you know finally see taps played. But let's break down week 13, because that's what we're here to do tonight.
1: All right, Curtis, give me your player of the week.
2: The player of the week. We're going to the tight end position. These are, these are the men among men <laughs> at the skill player uh, positions, Dave. And George, mother effing Kittle! Holy smokes. I mean, he just totally uh, put himself back on the fantasy map after a really frustrating season in San Francisco where Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell had been the headliners. George Kittle said, I'm here too. And he had 12 targets, nine receptions for 181 receiving yards, a pair of receiving touchdowns, and even got a rushing attempt, the rare George Kittle rushing attempt. He scored 39.6 PPR pending Monday Night Football results. Uh, highest overall score for the week, Dave. And we just did some deep research in the last 22 seasons. Let's tell the listeners how impressive this season was.
1: The, the, well, this game was the 10th highest total since the year 2000 among tight ends. This now actually puts George Kittle uh, with two performances Inside the top 10 of the last 22 seasons with the likes of Antonio Gates and Rob Gronkowski, Shannon Sharp, studs.
2: Yeah, it's it's just it's crazy. And the positional advantage that he provided this week, um it's just hard it's just hard to match that. So, um a great name to highlight was a little worried George Kittle would never be on the short list of names uh, that would be in player of the week considerations, <laughs> um but you know, he clearly has corrected us on that and Devo Samuel being out, you know, may have fed into this opportunity, so we will have to continue to monitor it. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum, Dave. Who's your snoozer of the week? <laughs>
1: A name that one does not say all that often when talking about bad performances. And that is Tyreek Hill, who really hurts um, coming in with a total Curtis of just two receptions and 22 yards, landing him in four point territory in the last three seasons, he has only gone under uh, 10 points in 13% of games. So something that does not very happen very often. Unfortunately, for a lot of fantasy teams, it happened in a very, very critical week. So Tyreek Hill, snoozer of the week. Um, my final thing I will say here is, listen, if your team lost this week, if you're out of it now, take a couple of deep deep breaths and move on. Everything's going to be fine. There's always next year. We're going to get back into this thing next year, win some championships. All right, let's hit some game notes. I wanted to start in Atlanta. I was curious, Curtis, as to how different this year has been for Matt Ryan in comparison to 2018 through 2020. So pulled some numbers here. Uh, in terms of fantasy scoring, he's dropped from 22.6 per game to 17.5. Uh, passing attempts have only gone down from 39.3 to 36.18. Completions in lockstep 26.3 to 23.7. Touchdowns, though, per game have dropped from 1.85 to 1.64. Passing yards have dropped from 297 to 237. Obviously, there's a couple of things going on here. Julio Jones not on the team anymore. His best option this year, Calvin Ridley, has been absent for large chunks of the season. And that is clearly playing into this. But another thing that's a little bit concerning about fantasy managers that have invested in pieces of this Falcons offense in wide receiver or tight ends is the fact that only 10 touchdowns this year for Ryan have gone to wide receivers Or tight ends. You have Cordero Patterson racking up five of Ryan's passing touchdowns. Mike Davis also has one. That's a pretty surprising number to see. And yes, like I said, Ridley's not there, so that's bringing down some of these numbers. But I do think that if I am someone that has Calvin Ridley or Kyle Pitts on my team, I'm not feeling too great about how things are looking for Atlanta. I'm not feeling too warm and fuzzy about things uh, moving ahead so i think that i kind of bring this up as this is one of those teams that we're gonna have to do a deep dive into in the off season we have a little bit more information on where some of these pieces might fall out see how they um address things in the draft but i think definitely a team that is not trending in a right direction uh especially for a team that for a while was one you could count on to get some pretty interesting fantasy players on your team
2: yeah they're, they're, that team. You know, I know they they had visions of um, establishing a power running attack, and I, I mean, just everything about this season has been kind of probably off, uh, I don't know, the top five scripts of what you would have thought would happen in Atlanta, um, from, from injuries and the mental health issues with Calvin Ridley and Arthur Smith, and really not, I mean, noted... Um, Tight end position coach turned offensive coordinator turned head coach not being able to utilize the tight end yes <laughs> um and in this offense I mean uh, yeah there's 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 probably layers um, I, I would not be surprised uh, to see more of a reboot um, with the team letting Arthur Smith invest in some pieces um, that support you know the type of offense that he would want to play moving forward so um, very very notable um, to highlight this squad you know for fantasy playoff purposes or for um, deep, uh, I guess, dynasty claims toward the end of the season in like the just in case file. Yep. Um, Russell Gage had been kicked to the curb in a lot of redraft leagues. He, you know, has reemerged as you know a, a flex worthy player. I think uh, your boy uh, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus um, is probably <laughs> maybe ro- maybe roster worthy, uh, deeper dynasty, not FFPC st- FFPC style, but um, deeper dynasty and uh you know other than that it'll, it'll be interesting to see if um cordero patterson can finish the season as a you know a a, a mid rb1 maybe um that's probably the coolest thing about uh atlanta you know back-to-back now games with at least 78 rushing yards for c pat um and you know he's got what uh four games with 60 or more receiving yards this season I mean, he's really been kind of a do-it-all a do it all guy and racking up the touchdown. So let's head over to the, the AFC. Yep. And we've talked about this team probably every two or three weeks, (laughs) um, but for good reason, because people thought this team was going to be the key to fantasy titles, you know, yet again, and in some ways they will be. And in other ways um, they definitely won't be got a lot of problems with you people out in Kansas city. And this is a little bit of an airing of grievances. (laughs) dave uh, this is this is nuts i've just never seen i mean it's like a star collapsing on itself i mean dating back to week seven the chiefs scored three points against tennessee three they followed that up with 20 against the new york giants just 13 against the packers Um, they did manage 41 against las vegas but then they followed that with 19 and 22 against the Cowboys and the Broncos. And this 22 spot against the Broncos is coming off a bye week against a divisional opponent that you know well and should be able to exploit. Something is very broken. Something is very broken and is concerning. And unfortunately, even though there was a hot start in Kansas city from a point scoring perspective, not necessarily from a team performance perspective, but we saw typical KC stuff those first six weeks in terms of scoring. I mean, this is all happening at the worst possible time of the calendar. Um, they've got two more uh division games, and then they're gonna they're gonna face a Pittsburgh Steelers team in week 16 that's probably gonna be still hanging on for uh their playoff lives and you know, just put up an awesome performance against the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, you gotta start your Chiefs, especially Tyreek Hill and and Travis Kelsey, Dave. But beyond that, I mean, it's like you got to raise your eye eyebrows and just wonder like do you stream quarterback above Patrick Mahomes in these crucial games on the fantasy calendar and even with CEH being healthier are you willing to to put him in there i mean this is this is just an absolute brutal absolutely brutal turn of events and um i feel bad for those depending so heavily on the chiefs luckily Kelsey and Hill have not hurt you to this point but now we've even seen that you know, Tyreek can't even escape the wrath of Mahomes sucking right now. So um, anything you want to add?
1: Well, I mean, I guess the thing that I'll say here too is um, just making this team even odder has just been like the way in which uh, Tyreek Hill has like bounced back and forth each week. Like if you go and you just look um, in the player stat explorer, he'll have – like a really solid game, then two very down weeks, really solid game, down weeks. Does not look like if you look at this chart, not what you expect from a player that's on what is supposed to be the premier offense in the league. And I think that one thing that really demonstrates how much this team has struggled in comparison to expectations is with Clyde Edwards a layer. Part of why he was alluring in the beginning of the season was just because this offense was so good that it would have to generate points. Now, honestly, It feels like unless you have one of the absolute best backs in the league, this running back position, like in that offense, like unless you took like, uh, you know, like Christian McCaffrey and put him in that backfield, whoever's playing there isn't a lock really for any great type of opportunity with the way things have gone this year so. It is uh, a bit of a mess. I feel like uh, is is how most people that invested in Chiefs are looking at this year, and it will be interesting to see what people start to do with Mahomes as we move forward, because that perceived advantage you might have thought you were getting from him does not appear to be there.
2: Just using our uh, one last point here, because uh, I, I want to use a tool that we don't talk a lot about on the show. Um, and it's underutilized compared to its very famous sister. Um, I'm talking about the Team Splits app. The Team Splits app, not as famous as our Game Splits app, which focuses yep. on players, but the Team Splits app does the same exact thing. And I'm looking at, now this does not have our Week 13 results in it, um, so it's, it's through Week 12. In the five games, including Week 7, um, versus the first six games of the season, the Chiefs are scoring 11 0.6 fewer points per game they're averaging just 19.2 19.2 points per game that's not that that average is not going to really change after scoring 22 against denver the first six games of the season they averaged nearly 31 points uh per game uh they're, they were averaging 3.14 points per drive through the six, first six weeks of the season just 1.79 points per drive since um and uh you know what's interesting too is their points against have changed. Like it's a just a totally different game script for this team. Their defense couldn't stop anybody the first six weeks of the season. They're allowing 29 points a game, but they're they're only allowing 14.8 per game since. It's like they went from a high flying, can't stop anybody, uh, you, you know, game script to a it's like all of a sudden a, a ball control, you know, slow it down, 1994 type team model, but they don't have any of the right players to play that type of football. Um, So let's go back to the NFC because like, honestly, I just want to puke talking about this.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right. Yeah. The the next team I wanted to talk about and what I was trying to do this week was grab some players or some teams that we have not talked about too much recently. So I wanted to pop back over to Seattle. Obviously we saw Russell Wilson miss some time uh, a couple weeks back. So one thing I wanted to look at was since 2018 to 2021, what has been the impact uh, on the team, I actually used that uh, team splits app in getting ready for the show this week. So I was looking at how the team did differently uh, with him in or out of the game. Um, points for dropped from 25.71 to 20.33, uh, three. points per drive dropped from 2.24 to 1.81. Uh, pa- passing touchdowns dropped from 2.12 to 1.33 yards go from 245 to 190. So that's a pretty material difference. Uh, in terms of the two wide receivers on the team this year, I know some have called DK Metcalf a bit of a disappointment. Tyler Lockett got off to a great start, had some down stretches. Hopefully having Wilson there um for the rest of the season will help things out. But I'm curious, Curtis, is like, What you think of Metcalf, he had 11 PPR um, in week 13 on the year. He's put up four wide receiver one performances. So 36% of games has been a wide receiver one Uh, heading into the week ranked 22 in PPR per game, 38 in expected points per game, but uh, 10 in fantasy points over expectation per game. Is fifth in total touchdowns, which is kind of surprising when you see him only coming in at 22. So I think that some might consider this a bit of a down year for both of these guys. Maybe you could blame some of that on the three games that they did not have Russell. Uh, but do you think that that is as disappointing as as it, what seems to be the consensus out there on, on the Twitter sphere?
2: Yeah. It's super disappointing. Um, you know, the team went out and they changed their offensive coordinator. They bring in Shane Waldron from LA who's supposed to have been, you know, McVay, uh, disciple out of the school of, of Shanahan basically. And, um, you know, it just, it just hasn't worked. I mean, a lot's gone wrong in Seattle. It's not like DK Metcalf's fault, but Mm -hmm. I mean, Russ has been injured. Um, they haven't unleashed him. Um, they didn't have Chris Carson and they've had basically no running game all year. And even though they were supposed to transition um, to a much more uh, balanced attack uh, from a passing game perspective, it seems like Carol won that argument over Shane Waldron. And even though they don't have the right personnel to play the way they've always played under Carol, they're still forcing it. it reminds me a lot of those first few seasons after Marshawn Lynch, before we had Chris Carson and uh Seattle's offense struggled um very similarly uh at that time. And you know, I think DK Metcalf from a dynasty perspective, maybe there's going to be a slight window um to buy, not not at like a super deep discount because uh, you know, I think people are are savvy, but compared to his pre-2021 pricing where he was nearly untouchable, um there may be an opportunity here. Pete Carroll is 70 years old and the team is going to post one of their worst performances. That I can remember. Um, I can't remember them ever playing this poorly. I I don't actually know what their worst record is in the Carroll era, but this may be this. This is definitely either on a short list or potentially trending towards being the worst season he's ever had. Um, And so it's, you know, is Russ still going to be there or or is he going to be jettisoned? And, um, you know, the team reinvest under Carroll and let him try to build again um, as old as he is. So, uh, you know, potential um, for a lot of upheaval in Seattle after the season, and that would benefit um, DK for sure. Um, It's a little frustrating to me that they haven't been able to uh, prop up both of those star receivers. Lockett keeps having, you know, splash games. He's kind of returned to pre-2020 form where he's been less consistent again. Um, And you would just think between the two talents here, how could they not be forcing each one of these guys at least eight targets a game um, just to see what happens. Um, It's just so disappointing. I feel like anybody on Twitter that plays a lot of fantasy or any Madden player, you know, could scheme an offense that would a work better uh, on the field. um, And then B yield better fantasy results. Uh, Another sickeningly bad situation for fantasy this season.
1: Yeah, frustrating is is exactly the entire <laughs> feeling that you have when watching this team, knowing that they have three extremely talented players that aren't always getting to show off just how talented they are, will be interesting to see how things shake out there. Um, and I, I agree with what you said about, uh, Metcalf there. So hopefully next year, uh, Seattle is able to, or these players on this team are able to be positioned for a more exciting season. What else do you have for us, uh, back in the AFC?
2: Well, let's go up to New York, uh, and, and on the green side of town, um, jetsville Zach Wilson, (laughs) this is Okay this is like a backhanded compliment. Okay. So I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, it's my job on Mondays. I cut up the AFC and you cut up the NFC. All right. Now we've got, we've got two, we've got two of the uh, premier teams in the AFC playing on Monday night football. So this does not include Mac Jones um, or uh, uh, Josh Allen in the sample, but pending Monday night football results, Zach Wilson was the QB two in the AFC in week 13. And it's not because he had, like, an awesome game, okay? He threw for 226 passing yards, two touchdowns, and threw a pick. And he had no <laughs> rushing yards. So he had 21 fantasy points, and he's a QB2 in the AFC, um, trailing Justin Herbert and his, you know, pretty incredible game. Um, but, I mean, this was a good sign. Um, they, they were able to score some points, you know, put up 20-plus, you know, against Philly. It's not a game that they won. They didn't get the result that they wanted. But signs of life, life from Zach Wilson – um and and what's sadly one of his better games of the season coming at the right time, what was really encouraging for me is to see his connection with Elijah Moore starting to grow because Moore had popped with Mike White and Joe Flacco um but had not shown um sh- shown us a lot of upside yet with Zach Wilson, but I think Elijah Moore has really developed into such an exciting player in such a short you know time window here that even Zach Wilson with a mediocre performance could not hold him down. Uh, Moore saw 12 targets, caught six balls for 77 and a touchdown. Um, also added uh, nine rushing yards on one rushing attempt. Um, so, you know, listen, Elijah Moore had a 64% air yard share, uh, 201 air yards. I, I mean, we talked about him last week. Uh, this guy, uh, he he can't. I don't know when he's going to stop rising up my dynasty rankings. I mean, he is careening towards bumping guys like DK Metcalf down the board. Honestly, I mean, he, he's having a remarkable rookie season, and uh, with no quarterback play. Um, so kudos to Elijah Moore and uh, Zach Wilson for working on that. It'd be really interesting to see how they develop over the final month of the season, um, especially given that you know no one else is really providing much threat there. Jameson Crowder, six targets, you know, half the work. Um, you know, getting the slot work, I think, you know, rightfully so being a complementary weapon um in that offense instead of a primary like he'd been in, in prior seasons. And the team, you know, until they get uh some running back help back there again from Michael Carter, they're gonna be forced um to really feature uh to feature more as really their only weapon. So um any thoughts to add there on the Jets offense, Dave?
1: Well, I think that, it, like you said, it, it's very encouraging to see more be able to do this with a multiple or with a multitude of quarterbacks, really. But also the fact that we saw him do this with Zach Wilson, very encouraging. They're two players that should have a chance to really put together something over the next couple of seasons, you have to assume they have the leash for that. Uh, so I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to have more pushing out DK Metcalf yet, but yes, it is a uh, pretty interesting to see what they are doing there. But let's make our way back to the NFC. Now I want to highlight a player here that we've mentioned a couple of times, and that is Antonio Gibson because he has a notable performance this week In that, we got to see him have a game in which he was the only back. Well, I shouldn't say the only back, but JD McKissick was not involved in this game. Uh, He was out dealing with an injury. We saw Antonio Gibson rush 23 times for 88 yards and get six targets, five receptions and 23 yards and a receiving touchdown um, on that workload. Now, the reason that this is notable is that JD McKissick becomes an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. This is the preview into what that workload could look like for Gibson if the team does not bring back McKissick. Or feel the need to add another running back for that profile. We've heard them talk in the past about how they want to get him more involved in all phases of the game, really make him more of a Christian McCaffrey like player. So, this was a good first step in that direction. Uh, Pretty encouraging to see Gibson get that work. There will be things there to monitor, but at the very least, we now have a little bit more information of what this team could look like if he's the only back in the, uh, or, or the only back seeing significant usage in that backfield.
2: Yeah, it's an encouraging sign. Um, you know, we talked about last week, I think it was Josh Jacobs maybe having a chance of of having like the Joe Mixon career arc, right? Where it just takes a little longer than expected. Gibson wouldn't be, you know, that uh I guess that delayed next year will be his his third season. Um yeah, but I think I think there's reason to still hold out hope. You know, hopefully they'll have even better quarterback play in 2022. And with him being more of a raw prospect anyway, not being a pure running back coming into the league, just being really more of a size speed specimen that had some success popping big plays in college. It, it, I mean, you can tell yourself a story that um, would, would support, you know, a late breakout in the NFL, you know, being okay. Um, so yeah, a uh, great opportunity to highlight Gibson there. Um, I want to pop back over to the AFC to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Deontay Johnson. Um, I, I guess i i, I ruined uh, i ruined the bar bet here. But I was going to ask you: Could you tell me who the wide receiver one and expected points per game is in twenty twenty one? I don't. It's I don't, I don't <laughs> Deontay Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you would have got it. Um, it would have taken me a few guesses. Maybe I to wouldn't get there. have gotten that. No. Yeah, and I think after the name was said, maybe I would have said, "Okay, yeah, that makes some sense." But he just hasn't had I mean, EP and points scored, you know, obviously are separate metrics, um, you know, but he just hasn't had like the elite games. He's been so solid every single week. Um, but actually has three wide receiver one performances heading into week 13. Of course, he's going to, you know, that'll be like his fourth consecutive and in, in week uh, 13 now, uh, but before that had been a wide receiver two in six consecutive games opening the season with a wide receiver three uh, performance at Buffalo. But even in that game scored 14.6 PPR um, actually only two times the season as he scored fewer than 15 PPR in a week. And that include that actually uh, doesn't even include week five at Denver where he, d- he was injured um, during that game and only saw two targets. He still scored 15.2 PPR in that game. Um, wow. So, you know, he's really been in, in the, you know, in a season that has seen Juju obviously missing from the picture, Chase Claypool really not assert himself as a dependable weapon, unfortunately, just because of the demise of Big Ben. Um, it's really been all about, it's been all about Deontay. Um, Pat Fryermuth has been a nice story at tight end and is is trending positively towards being, you know, a fantasy force early in his career, I think. Um, for whoever the next quarterback is of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but man, Deontay Johnson um is going to go down as one of kind of the unsung heroes of redraft um this year with all the injuries that we saw in the first four to five rounds of fantasy drafts. You know, he's been a bas- best ball asset. I'd be curious to see what his win rate looks like. Uh, maybe we can pull that for our analytics episode later this week. Not typically something we look at in fantasy metrics there, but I think it'd be interesting if we highlight. Uh, his on-the-field metrics and then how that's been translated to best ball. But without those pop games, how is he con- how is he as a contributor? But in redraft, man, you put him in there. Short of Cooper Cup, he's probably been the the most solid thing out there um, in the NFL in 2021 at the position.
1: One of the curious things, too, is as you look at his point accumulation, like you said, he's practically been at 15 or more points every week. He has all of his... Uh, wide receiver, one performance is being recorded in his last four games. But interestingly, actually had a couple of performances, Curtis, where he outscored those amounts. Uh, now, some of that is earlier on in the season. You have more players playing, less buys, less players being injured. Um, but yeah, it really speaks to the consistency that he's had. That expected points number is huge. Uh, he's fifth in targets overall, still 16th in air yards, two in whopper. There's so much to be excited about. And then you think about looking forward, if you could get a, a, you know, a rise up in that quarterback play, what it could look like for, uh, Deontay Johnson. One thing is clear. We're probably not going to see Juju returning in Pittsburgh next year. Uh, so I think that, um, you know, Deontay Johnson needs to be one of those players that you're uh, pretty excited about moving forward and, uh, you know, hopefully, even though he does feel to me like a player that will be able to prosper regardless of who's throwing him the ball, who's running the offense, uh, you know, it'd be awesome to see him play with a, with a real elite passer again at some point.
2: Yeah. And and, and he's at a stage in his career where you would think he could still do a lot more damage. Um, he's, he seems to have been a tier below for dynasty purposes players like it's still uh behind players like DeAndre Hopkins and DeVonte mm-hmm. Adams and the like, you know that kind of um you know age 30 or just below um group uh entering this season and you know he's clearly I think going to be ahead of all of those guys entering 2022 uh, startup drafts.
1: Definitely. So, that uh brings us through our week 13 review. We will be back twice again this week as always, if you have questions, team specific questions, league specific questions, any topics you want us to hit, they can be start questions, anything you have, please let us know. You can get all of that information in the drop I'm about to play, even though I should have this all memorized at this point.